Hello, this is uh, No Laugh Track, Acme's official podcast. This is Justin Severson, and uh, we're going with episode 10. I don't know if it is. Uh, maybe we're, I might be living in the future. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm going to stick with 10. 10's a nice, even, solid number. 10 sounds good. I've accomplished a little something. Sitting in the basement at Acme, and my guest is sitting across from me, and it's Josh Sneed. Hello. Hello, Josh. How are you? And uh, where were you this afternoon? I was at the uh, the Twins White Sox game. Yeah, me too. I know you were working, right? Yeah, yes. Normally we record the podcast in the uh, middle, or I should say, right, you know, around one o'clock. That didn't work this week, and I found out. I didn't even realize the Twins had a day game uh, until I work every game. I didn't realize it until Monday. And then I, uh, you know, I got a hold of someone here at Acme and said, uh, I can't go Wednesday. And then he's like, well, but it isn't a problem, blah, blah, blah. And well, now we just talked to him. And he said, when he talked to you, that you said, well, I hope I can do it, but I'm going to a Twins game. Well, I was going to come, if I had to leave the game early, I was still going to come for the podcast. Yeah. Um, but it's funny because like I, I live in uh, Cincinnati, so afternoon games start at 1 o'clock. Oh, yeah. Um, so... It didn't. It didn't dawn on me that the game starting at noon would be over in time. And I was trying to do the math in my head, and that's when I was just like, "I'm going to the baseball game." And he was like, "It'll be after that anyway." And I was like, "That's all I need to know." Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Are so, you a Reds fan? Die hard. Yeah. Yeah. How are they doing this year? They are tied for the best record in the National League. That can't be possible with the uh, Washington Nationals, which also can't. It's <laughs> not. But is. is it? Yeah. Okay, now tell me the truth. How are they? No, that's amazing. It is amazing. It's pretty awesome. Washington and Cincinnati. So you know, let's see. They're in the division with the Cubs, and you know the Cubs are must be in last place. Cubs are uh, are not in last place. Uh, the Astros are. Oh, that's right. But they will be gone to the American League at the end of this season, which opens up room for the Cubs to be in last place, to hold which on. always makes me feel better. Yeah, yeah. And then you got St. Louis in third, and surprisingly, the Pittsburgh Pirates are in second place. Only three games behind the Reds, and then you've got the Brewers as well. So that's oh, the that's, cent- right. that's the NL Central. That's the NL Central. Yep. Yes. Have you been to a Target Field before? Was no, I have not. Time? This is my first time. Yeah. And uh, just being a big baseball fan, like try to I try to hit every park that I can if there's a game going on while I'm in town. I would do the exact same thing. That's awesome. Yeah. So like next week I'm in Milwaukee, and uh, and they basically said, you know, what week do you want to come? I looked when the Reds were going to be there, and I was like, what about this week? And they were like, it's open. So no shit. I'm going up on Tuesday. I'll see the Reds play the Brewers Tuesday and Wednesday, and then I'll just stick around and do shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, I'm excited. That is perfect. That's another park I haven't been to. Yeah, so. I've been there. You'll like it. I heard it's really nice. Yeah, not as nice as Target Field, of course. Target Field is great. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Uh, but the huge benefit of uh, Miller Park is the tailgating. Oh, do they tailgate like football games there? Like they tailgate, you know, the the stadium is in the middle of a gigantic parking lot, so it's crazy. Like people show up, you know, you wait if you sh- if you get there three hours before the game, you're waiting in line to get to the par- into the parking lot because there's so many people showing up early really? to tailgate. Oh, that's yeah. awesome, dude! They set up. Uh, we I went on a road trip with some friends and we brought like. Um, uh, you know, t- tents and tables and grills, and we had like 15 guys last year. We did a road trip when the Twins played That's in Milwaukee. Awesome. Yes, so I don't know how many people you're going to this game with, but you got to get oh. <laughs> one other person. But oh, he'll be up for going early. He's a friend of mine, a comedian from Cincinnati. He's going to open for me, perfect uh, at the club. So 
he's meeting me up there on Tuesday. We'll do the games. I do a lot of work with the Reds, so I have a bunch of ends. So we're getting tickets from the Reds. And uh, nice. I can't wait. I'm, I'm a huge baseball fan. Yeah, I am now, too. Let me ask you this. Now, you're selling beer, right? Mm-hmm. Up and down the aisles? Yes. Do people recognize your voice when you're yelling? Uh, I don't know if it's my voice or ju- or maybe because we talk about it on the uh, on the radio show. It comes up every now and then. So there, it, it's almost every game where someone says, you know, like, "Hey, are you are you the <laughs> are you the Justin from the radio?" Or yeah, I mean, I, I it's once a game probably someone says something. I think they just kind of put two and two together that you know they probably saw me in a picture like on facebook or something <laughs> right and you know at a remote giving away yeah t-shirts or yeah something. exactly so i don't know if it's so much the voice but uh you know they put it together that's somehow. gotta be fun though right yeah it's super cool and i'll tell you what uh shout out to the uh, kq morning show listeners they all tip really well when they buy beers that's so, awesome yes that's they take awesome. good care of me i'm very appreciative and you work every game yeah yeah, is it good money, or you just like being there, or uh, it's 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 both. It's uh, the money is sometimes really good, sometimes terrible, uh, but it's a lot of fun. Like I said, I love baseball. It's fun yeah. being there. I really, I wouldn't, I don't want to be there every game. It's just kind of how this how they run things over there. Sure, but uh, yeah, it's it's. It's yeah, fun. a friend of mine did. I tell you does, what, though, I'll just, I do want to say this real quick. Yeah. Being at every game, I get really sick of all the uh, hijinks in between innings that they pretend like only happens for that game. Yes, <laughs> yeah. I don't need to see the kiss cam again, ever again. Yeah, I don't need to see the uh, mascots, the ripoff of the county stadium or Milwaukee thing where they get where they uh, run around. Oh yeah, you know they have like the oh, wiener yeah. races yeah. at uh, it, Mil- in Milwaukee. Yeah. Here we have like I don't know it's some sponsored thing I don't yeah. know it's it's from Target so you probably saw it. there's bullseye and yeah. then it's I don't know <laughs> there's a mosquito or something and it's just you're ripping off another stadium and all that you know yeah. the people dancing on the dugouts in between innings it gets old yeah really it old. Does. Well, if you think that's bad, you should go to a minor league game. That's the worst. I used to work at one, so I know. We have an independent team in St. Paul. I used to work oh, at really? those games. Yeah. The independent team is always fun. Yeah. Yeah. Where the, you know, the players are in their late 20s and uh, you know, have really no chance of ever making it to the big leagues if they ever did. That was their one shot. Yeah. They're just kind of, you know, like still getting a paycheck and living the dream, sort of, you know, but it's not, you're not going to those games for the ten- for the quality of baseball. Right, <laughs> right. It's more of And just they a- have to know that too, right? Like no matter how good you are in the independent well, league, I'll tell you what. You have to know that Dollar Beer Night is going to be way more popular than you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh they know that they who they are when they look at their paychecks. You know, I used to. Th- I mean, I I can almost guarantee that when I worked at those independent games, I made more selling beers at some of those games than those players were making on that field. <laughs> I truly believe that that that's uh, true. Well, yeah. Maybe they should do that. Like the the pitchers on their days off, they they sell beer to supplement their. <laughs> no, income. I'm telling you, to keep them in shape instead of jogging by the uh, outfield wall, they get up there do some stairs. Come on. It's hilarious. Uh, yeah. Like, um, what's your connect? What do you? You said you do something with the Cincinnati Reds. What do you do there? The Reds. Are, uh, they have a very big charity arm called the Reds Community Fund, mm-hmm. and basically their uh, their mission is to get baseball uh, back into like the inner city, like kids get kids playing baseball again. 
um, by introducing leagues where inner city kids will play like the more affluent suburban area teams and, you know, mix and match them up. And they have the RBI program, which is all through major league baseball. And, uh, the, the new owners that bought the reds a couple years ago, they, they took a big, uh, initiative to really get that charity going. And so whenever the, whenever they need a comedian or an MC or an auctioneer or something, they, uh, they use me and then, uh, and then in return, you know, if I ever need tickets or something cool Sweet. and then that, that is, um, fostered relationships with some of the players. And so it's really cool to be a diehard Reds fan, but then, you know, the, the announcers and the broadcasters and some of the players and the owner of the team really the GM like they know my name when they see me like it's a, it's very surreal okay, well, to me but very cool now if they let's say in the next like five years uh mm-hmm. if they win the world series i expect to see you on tv in the locker room <laughs> popping champagne i just want to ring a ring i, I want to yeah. ring hell yeah <laughs> that'd be awesome it doesn't even have to fit that's right ring. <laughs> everybody gets like everybody on payroll gets one like the grounds yeah, people and everything so I, it is kind of ridiculous if i can just convince them that i did enough that year hopefully this year that would be sweet It'd be amazing. Yeah, I, I that is that is comical that uh, you know, like the person in charge of selling tickets, like gets a I know. World Series <laughs> yeah, yeah, ring. Yeah, yeah. Really, it's uh, they couldn't have done it without you pushing those tickets. It's it, like the Reds. I mean, it's weird because you know, in in this business, as you know, and and radio business, like you get to meet some really big names that people yeah. are impressed by when mm-hmm. you they see that you're in a picture with them, mm-hmm. but like. For me, meeting a a guy that used to play for the Reds that was like on the the big red machine or the national you know the World Series team in 1990, like I I get more weird about meeting them than I do like you know some of the people I've met yeah. when I visited Saturday Night Live or something. Sure, you know what I mean it's yeah. so it's I, I still can't quite wrap my head around why. I guess just as when you're a kid, like they're just yeah. larger than life, you know, are. and you still kind of hold them in that regard, but. You know, I get to play in like these charity golf outings and stuff, and oh yeah, you know, I just look to my left and right, and it's like, God, you were you were on a poster on my wall when yeah. I was a kid, yeah, know, I like, know. and that's way more cool than meeting a movie star. Yeah, I, I I do have to say one thing about that. I have that same sort of deal. There was a guy that he was the catcher for the Twins in 1987. Well, I think he was gone by 91. He, on the 87 World Series team, he was the catcher, Tim Laudner. Mm-hmm. And now he does some. He still lives in town. He does some work for uh, the the you know cable channel that does the games here, and uh, he also listens to the morning show, so knows who I am through that. And uh, once, like three, four years ago, came up and said hi to me in the hallway at the Metrodome, where the Twins used to play. I yeah. could have died. Yeah. This is a guy that the year the Twins won the World Series, he hit one ninety one. He's not a star. He was a one-time All-Star, I think, in 88. But you know maybe? what's amazing about but that? But I was blown away. Absolutely. Like, Tim Laudner knows who I am. And, that's this all, is and how cool awesome. is that for him? Because we talk about this all the time, especially at these charity golf outings that I go to, is like all he has to do for the rest of his life is be Tim Laudner. Yeah. That's all he has to do. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, I could do this Ohio State um, Buckeye cruise for cancer mm-hmm. that uh, Chris Spielman puts on in memory of his wife and he get they basically rent a Norwegian cruise line and bring all these former Ohio State football a couple of basketball players on the boat and then the rest is filled with fans. Yeah. And it's just like 
you realize that, I mean, this guy was great in college for three years yeah. at the most, you know, maybe two. Um, and that's all he has to do for the rest of his life is just be a guy who was awesome when he played for Ohio State. Yeah. That's all he has to do. He just has to live in Columbus, show up at autograph sessions, make a couple grand for each one, yeah. and then play golf. Or, you know, like I just can't wrap my head around <laughs> that kind of life. You know what I mean? Where Why weren't we better athletes? What went wrong? I don't know. <laughs> That's why I mean I got a one year old. That's why now I'm, I'm like, look, you got to start hitting left handed and uh, oh, lefty, got to yeah. be lefty, pitch lefty, throw left. Uh, he he grabbed a ball out of my hand the other day and threw it with his left hand. I was like, this could be the this could be the greatest because I'm left handed. Oh, okay, but but I my parents didn't have the foresight of knowing. <laughs> had they got me into pitching at an earlier age, how much it could have paid off for them. But you. I do, yeah. Sneed, the uh-huh. last name, makes yeah. me think of like a... Why? Why does it make me think of this? Maybe you can help. A villain. Like yep. a, a cartoon villain? Yeah. Why? Well, there's two actual that are just close. Uh, Dr. Uh, Doctor Seuss had characters called the Thneeds, which were the... Um, they were the, like... Destroying, I love that you first... They were, I, they were I, destroying the planet. They were like... Uh, uh, tearing down all the trees and stuff like that. I believe in the oh the Lorax. Lorax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then Captain Hook uh, had his right hand man's name was Sneed. That's it. I yeah. bet that's it. I did just see the Lorax movie with my girls. This uh, you know within the last whatever that was. Yeah, several months. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, Peter Pan, the Captain Hook, Sneed. Yeah, yeah. I bet that's what I, I bet that's what it is. I think it's. I, <laughs> I was thinking about asking you that. I'm like, you know what? He may look at me like, "Are you fucking making fun of me or something?" Like, what's your deal? No, there? no. You, you had a lot an of answer. Even close to to the <laughs> last name, it's either it's either that or the you know Sam Sneed, the golfer. Oh yeah, I I know that name, but no, yeah. I wasn't thinking of that one. Um, yeah, I, there's not a lot of fun to be had with my last name, um, which I guess is a blessing. You know that there's. <laughs> You know, it's not Smith or or something. Yeah, it's no, it's no, it stands out. That is. Funny. I'd like to be thought of as a villain. I feel like that would be kind of cool, right? I. It, it's it's got to be the uh, yeah. It's the little sidekick of of uh, yeah Captain Hook. Yep. But I, but I, except I'm picturing you with the with the curly Raleigh mustache, fingers mustache, Raleigh finger, like you know where you're, yeah. you know, like doing with the wax at the end of it. I'm obsessed mm, with villains. Sneed. Mm-hmm. We have a we have a Halloween party every uh, fall called the Trick or Sneed, and um, we started doing uh, themes. And so this year we're we're doing villains. You have to show up as awesome. a villain. So maybe maybe I could be. Uh, Captain Hook's right hand man and still be Sneed. Dude. I'm obsessed. I don't know why. Like I feel like that's probably not healthy to be obsessed with villainy. But you like know with wrestling, I don't know if you're a pro wrestling fan. Uh I I on and off throughout my life. Had a nice discussion last night with the MC about professional wrestling, and I've always cheered for the bad guy. I don't know what it is. Yeah. Darth Vader, my favorite Star Wars character. Me too. I've always been obsessed with the bad guy. I saw a girl at the Twins game today that had some of the coolest, most realistic-looking Star Wars tattoos I've ever what? seen. Did you yes. get pictures? No, and I even stopped her. You know, like it was on like the bottom part of her leg, like, uh-huh. from the knee to the ankle. And um, you might have to help me out with this one. I can't think of the name. It was. It's the. I'll know it. The uh-huh. bounty hunter character, the Princess Leia. Like, what did they call her when she was wearing the? Did she? Didn't she have oh, this? Oh, Bosk. 
No, it's not Bosk. That's that's somebody else. Maybe they just called it. I don't know. But you know what I'm talking about in Return of the Jedi. When Boosh she, or uh, yeah, Bausch or something. Yeah, Boosh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Bounty Hunter. That's when she showed up at Jabba's, Jabba's Palace. Palace. Yes. So this girl had that like uh, from, what? That's a random character. Yeah, and it yeah. was cool as hell. And then she had like the outline of the Death Star, and she had a uh, an Adat. What? Yes, it was like a whole scene, like a collage all the way around her leg, and and not like cartoonish. It was yeah. like it looked like it was like. You know, like if they could transfer a print from the movie yeah, yeah, yeah. onto her leg. It was unbelievable. Well, there's a girl who does radio. Um, she's on the morning show that comics go on in Madison, Wisconsin. Yeah. And um, she has a bunch of Star Wars tattoos that are really cool. But the reason I know so much is my dad, when I was growing up, worked for Kenner Toys. What? Yeah. So I had everything. No, you didn't. Yeah. I literally had everything. I sold it all when I quit my day job to do stand up full time. I put it all on eBay and, um, and I, I kept all my other toys except star Wars. Cause that was the time to unload star Wars, but I still have, you know, starting lineups. Do you remember starting lineups? A little I have three some. inch. Yeah. Um, I have 700 of them in my basement or something crazy. My sister still has a four foot care bear. Um, I I I mean you should see all this stuff, but as a kid, I mean you can't think of a better scenario than that. Your I, dad works for yeah, my dad was a math that teacher. Makes sto- yeah. uh, Star Wars toys, but I was I've always been obsessed with Star Wars because um, that was like the th- my, my me and my dad like that was the thing that we shared. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, every time a movie came out, he got to go see it early because he worked for kenner and so like it was like when the movie came out like i knew him and him and i were gonna go see the movie and it's it's uh i'm obsessed still to this day and you sold all that stuff i sold all that stuff to help cushion me you know into the full-time comedian lifestyle and uh and it was a smart thing to do like i got a lot of money for it it was the right time um but you know, like when when episode one came out, I mean, that what was that like ninety eight yeah, or something? Yeah, it was. Um, I was I was I mean, I'll never forget this. I was twenty one and my roommate was twenty, and um, we had gone. We were really excited about the movie coming out. And we went to the toy store, and and he and I got the the uh, Obi Wan Kenobi the green lightsaber, mm-hmm. and he bought the Darth Maul the double, double red. red. Yep. And um, we went to the toy store, and then we went to the grocery. And attached to the grocery was the alcohol, like liquor store, mm-hmm. or whatever. Like all the beer and wine and stuff was in this part of the grocery store. Yep. So we did our grocery shopping. It's like eleven o'clock at night, and then he was like, "Hey, will you get me some beer?" And I was like, "Sure." I have to go into this other part. So he's like, "All right, I'll take these out to the car." So he leaves with the groceries. I go in, I buy the beer. I'm now walking out to the car. And he is standing on the hood of my car, and he's got his his lightsaber out of the package and inserted batteries, you know. And he presses the button, and each side shoots out, and it lights up yeah. red, yeah. you know. And um, I look down, and maybe fifteen feet in front of the car, I see my lightsaber unop or opened up. I'm guessing the batteries are probably in it. Yeah. I put the beer down, pick it up, <laughs> turn it on, and we swung at each other like we were trying to win the home run derby <laughs> in the parking lot of this grocery store at 11 o'clock at night by the time we were done there were about 25 people watching us 
And it was the most fun I think I've ever had as yeah. an adult. I mean, swinging as hard as we could, just cl- and they made the oh, yeah. sound, you know. I, and dude, I just bought them for my daughters for uh, my girls' birthdays are in May. Uh, pardon me, April and June, and they each got different. Uh, Good for you, lightsabers. Yeah. See, I just bought Dean actually in. Pro- it was right before Easter, um, so he wasn't even one yet. I bought him and me lightsabers and these are like nice like they're like they have like a glass tube where the color like fills up the oh, tube as you turn one. it on and when they get they touch each other it sounds yeah. like they clash and so those are in the basement waiting for the day that he can wield one and i got him all these little stuffed like you know darth vader if you squeeze its stomach it's like yeah you know like yeah i've had more fun buying stuff for him and praying to god he's into it yeah. one day I know. I ex- I got my kids exposed just from uh, some of my toys that have been sitting around, uh, like the loose old ones. You know, I've just yeah. There's so many the ones that I have. They're not in packages. I'm never. I've never yeah. been able to sell them for anything. Yeah. You know, so I figure why not just. Look? Well, most of mine were that way too. Like I took everything out of the package um, when I when the, the Star Wars stuff when I was a kid, or he would bring them home not in packages because a lot of. I was going to ask you that. Yeah, they had this company store. Um, which like if, if the corner of the package got bent, the store would ship it back and say, we can't sell this. And then Kenner would remove the figure and then put it in like a Ziploc bag and then sell it for a quarter at the factory store. Yeah. So he would bring home a lot of toys that were basically already out of their package, but had never been used. Yeah. So a lot of my stuff was like that, but then he would bring a, the, the stuff that sold for the most money is stuff that they would mess around with when they were at the shop. Like he would take like, you know, Han Solo's head and put it on princess Leia's body. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Stuff like that. And that's the kind of thing that these collectors really spend oh, the yeah. most money on. Unique. It's all about yeah. being unique. And so, uh, so I had all kinds of weird stuff, you know, that you couldn't buy in a store. And then what got really cool was then I got into high school and um, I wasn't really playing with Star Wars toys, but Kenner had purchased Tonka. Yeah. Which owned Sega at the time. So all my friends had the old school Nintendo and I had the Sega version of it, the Sega Master System, and the same thing applied. If a package of a game got damaged, they would take out the instructions and the game and put it in a Ziploc bag and sell it for like two dollars. And so I had every game for like fifty bucks. Holy shit. And uh and it was awesome. Were you the the most popular kid in school? I got invited to every birthday party. Yeah. Every kid knew that I was gonna bring a toy. Yeah. The only thing that the only downfall of it was I only got Kenner toys. Yeah. So like Transformers and G.I. Joe yeah. and a lot of the stuff that was really cool yeah. I never got because my dad didn't make those. And like the only thing I ever wanted so bad was that G.I. Joe aircraft carrier. Do you oh, remember that? I didn't it have it. It was like it, but the yeah. size of a small bedroom. Yeah, it was huge. And uh and I wanted that thing so bad and I knew I was never gonna get it. So instead I got an an ad at, you know, in the Millennium Falcon and God, this brings back so many memories. I'm so, it doesn't even matter now, and I'm still jealous. Like, the, you know, 10-year-old me is like, man, I wish I could have been you. Oh, it was awesome. Like, he would go to the toy fair in New York, and he would bring home catalogs that all the different companies put out that showed, like, what was coming out that year. And I would just, like, it was like a comic book to me. Yeah. Like, you know, it was as cool as as having an actual toy to be able to flip through and see toys coming at, that were coming out oh, before yeah. anybody else got oh, yeah. to. Because I, 
surprised he brought that book home. There's nothing bigger in a little boy's world. Our, our big thing was to take Star Wars figures and put them up on this shelf. Yeah. And then my dad, um, he was a machinist. So basically like they would give him the blueprint of a toy and he would build a working model of it. And then they would have it painted and then it would be submitted to the higher ups to say, yes, let's go with this or make this change or we're not going to do it. So um, he built these like rubber band guns and we would, that was like my favorite thing to do was we'd get across the room and try to knock over oh, yeah. the Star, Star Wars, Wars figures with rubber bands. <laughs> so, did he, did, he, did he ever bring home any of these prototype toys? Oh, yeah. That's the kind of stuff that sold the most money. They're called first shots because they have Sharpie markings on them of the notes that they were given of like, here, we need to change this or do this. So they would write in Sharpie, like right on the And they're not the colored. They're just like, what color would they be? Pink? or They'd be like, like uh, you know, solid gray. Yeah. You know, like whatever color the plastic was. Yeah. And then, um, and that's how these collectors knew which ones were first shots because they could like look and go, oh yeah, this, this line right here is moved two inches on the final product. Jesus. So we know this one is like an authentic and like, and it's funny too, to look back and just, you know, kind of hindsight. Um, when, when return of the Jedi was coming out before it came out, it was supposed to be called revenge yeah. of the Jedi. Yep. And George Lucas said at the last minute, like, revenge isn't really a quality that a jedi would show so they so they scrapped it and changed it to return but but by that time they had already done the cardboard backs of the figures you know it's on that plastic bubble they call it yeah that said revenge of the jedi and they would do them in giant sheets that had like you know 50 cards and then those sheets would get cut yeah and then uh you didn't have any of those my they had they had sheets and sheets and sheets that said revenge that they had to throw away. So they threw them in the dumpster and my dad, um, and all his coworkers are the kind of guys that, you know, fix the car when it breaks. You know what I mean? Like they're that kind of guy. And so, um, he changed his own oil. So they would, they, him and all his buddies took these sheets home and they'd use them. They'd put them down on the floor in the garage <laughs> to change the oil so that the oil didn't get on the no. garage floor. And we, he must have brought home 20 of them just himself. And um, I guess a couple people kept them. And those things went like at the at the height. I don't know what they're worth now, but when I was selling all my stuff, these guys actually asked, like, "Do you have any of these sheets?" And they were going for like five grand I bet. for like one sheet. Yeah. And my dad easily had twenty of them that he went through, <laughs> and were just would cover. They'd be covered in oil and dust, and he'd throw them away and put a new one down. I was thinking you were going to say, "Oh yeah, that was the wallpaper in my bedroom." Like, <laughs> no. That would still be worth more than changing your oil. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, you sit back and you think, God, like we're sitting on gold mines for free if we'd just known what, you know. But I was, you know, I was playing with those things. I didn't care what they might be worth something. That is cool as hell. I I collected those, the starting lineup. Those oh, were, yeah. yeah, for people that I don't know if you said it already, they're, they're, they were they were like basically action figures of athletes, professional yeah. athletes. They started out with baseball, and they basically went through every major league team, and they picked like the top three players. There's a Tim Laudner starting lineup guy. Do you Is have there? that one? I probably do. I pro- honestly, I probably do, especially yeah. if he was big in '89, '90. Yeah, or was it late '90s? No, no, '80s. Yeah, late '80s. Okay, then yeah. I'm sure I do. Yeah, because I had all of them. Yeah, and um. They would 
they would have the back the back of the card would have like uh, you know would come with a baseball card and yep. the figure, mm-hmm. and then the back of the card that the the figure came on was like a checklist. Yep. Like it showed every team and who would, they made for every team, and then it, and then they moved into football yep. and basketball. They even did hockey, and then yeah, they, they did, did like you know. It, they were huge for a while. Like I really missed the boat on those selling them for what they were worth. I bet I have a. Uh, yeah, they didn't. They were doing throwback. Like you know, they yeah. went to like Mickey Mantle and yeah. like locally or like Harmon Killebrew. Had yeah, yeah, one. yeah. Well, but, when I go through, because I'm going to be going through them soon. I'm in the process of finishing my basement, um, which is going to be like the ultimate man cave. Yeah. And I'm kind of glad I still have a lot of those figures because I just want to have a ton of starting line of figures like around the walls. But if I find any old twins, I'll be sure and hook you up. I know I have Herbeck. I'm pretty sure I have Puckett. I have Puckett. That's um, about the only one I think. I, oh, I might have. I have one Herbeck, and I got a, a Puckett. But I th- at this uh, at this salvage store yeah. i found randomly in minneapolis they had like every chicago cubs uh starting lineup figure yeah. from 89 including like ryan a- sandberg yes ryan sandberg was my favorite player so i have like dawson five yep. dawson. jody davis remember, jody they, davis, remember that yeah. name yes yeah andre dawson and then here's the one that's worth money that i have greg maddox as a cub yes oh yeah yeah Absolutely, that's I, worth some money. In some books a few years ago, it was up to like $350. No kid, like packaged and yes. mint condition. And mine's, I never opened it. Oh, it's not mint. The card's not mint, but I did hold on to all of those and unopened. So I was so jealous. I'm we'll still see. to this day jealous of my cousin. My cousin is like four or five years older than I am, and he was like the quintessential star in high school. I mean, he was like lettered in four sports, valedictorian. When he graduated, my dad, um, I'll never forget, he brought home this bag of starting lineup heads, mm-hmm. like from all different sports, and and uh, and I remember, and I remember, like, I was like, this is Brian Bosworth because it had the shaved side of it's his head first and thing stuff. I, dude, I was like, this is be- Brian Bosworth. Yes. I know that, but he brought home just a random, and we had to go through, and we were like, which one looks the most like Joe, my cousin? And then um, we picked it out, and then we put it on a basketball player's body of oh, yeah. and then he had it sent up to their um to the art department and the, and they painted on my high school's basketball uniform Get out of here. and that was his graduation present was a, his own starting lineup that- with him in our high and i was like dad i go this is the only thing that i want when i graduate is me my baseball high school baseball uniform yeah. on a starting lineup and then when i was a sophomore he left to go work for another company and the, so I'm still jealous because that was oh. like the one thing I wanted was my own starting lineup, and I never got it. And my cousin has his to this day still. I, I need to step in and apologize to any women that are still hanging with us, <laughs> listening right? to this. I'm uh, sorry, to us nerding out I'm over so- toys. I'm and- sorry. You know what? And for the women that actually like this, thanks. Uh, yeah, I, I know. I know you do exist, but my I, I, and to I, their I know- boyfriends. Good for you. Yeah, guys. yeah, yeah exactly. You. Yeah, you know how to pick them. Uh, yep, exactly. Uh, I know this is totally nerdy, but I I love this stuff. This is uh, me too, and I apologize if I was supposed to be funnier than I have been. Um, uh, no, this is great. And when you said about the heads, I'm not. I swear to you, the first one I thought of because I had it was Brian, <laughs> Brian Bosworth. Bosworth. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding because it did. It had yeah. the shaved, yeah, blonde, the, yeah. blonde hair, and shaved in, above his ears. Unbelievable. Yeah. The Larry Bird one has the little short shorts. I had that one. All the awful oh tiny God. mustache. We should talk about some, uh, uh, you know, about uh, about your career. Okay. How did you end up? How, what what happened? How did you get into comedy? I, we do need to know that. Well, I I always wanted to be on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. Um, 
and I was uh, I was in college, and I was kind of like I, I I had a summer job. They talked me into continuing to work for them after summer was over Mm -hmm. and to go to school at night. And I was like, okay, you know, this is great. I'll have experience in my field, blah, 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 whatever. And then right after Christmas, they laid off like 80 people because they had lost their contracts with this big company we were all working for. And so, uh, so all of a sudden I found myself like out of like not in school full time and the school was on Christmas break and, uh, and I couldn't register for classes and I was like, well, I guess I'll just like find some, you know, job at a restaurant or something for the spring semester. And then I'll go back and finish and get my degree. Right. And in that amount of time, I did my first open mic night and I loved it. And then, um, that company that they, that my, uh, employer had lost the contract with contacted me. It's Procter and Gamble. I don't know if anybody knows who they are, <laughs> but they're a big, they're a giant company and most people yeah. know the things they make, but they don't know they're all made by one company. Okay. So, um, but they're based in Cincinnati. So Procter and Gamble, which is like the job that I would go to college to get said, we heard you did a good job when you worked here as a contractor. How about applying full time? And I was like, okay. So I started that process. And in the meantime, I was doing open mic nights. And then, and then almost a year later, they hired me. So it's like, now I have the job that I was going to school to get. I'm doing stand up at night. Yeah. And I was there for about six months. And they were like, you know, are you going to, um, are you going to go finish your degree? And I was like, well, if I go get a degree, am I going to get like a huge pay raise? Yeah. And they're like, no. And I go, well, kind of like doing stand up at night. You know, I was really getting into it. And at the time, Cincinnati didn't have a ton of local comics. So I was getting a lot of stage time. Yeah. And, um, and so I was like, I think I'm going to just kind of work here during the day. And, you know, this is how I want to spend my nights. And they didn't really fight me on it. And so I did that for a couple of years. And then, um, you know, I was kind of slowly starting to get to that spot where I thought I might be able to do comedy full time, you know, go out on the road. Uh, Mitch Hedberg um, was the first guy that took me out on the road to open for him. Really? And uh, And he was my favorite comic. So it was extra surreal yeah you know to like i would use my vacation days to go to north dakota in february yeah. because it was with mitch and I, they'd be like this is you know most people go to florida yeah, in yeah. the summer yeah. you're going to 10 below grand forks north dakota <laughs> and i'm like well i'm working with mitch hedberg like this guy is gonna be a legend yeah and those people were like who are you talking about right. mitch who right yeah it's exactly what they were i'm like. sure so the PNG was having some cutbacks and, um, you know, before they said, here's who has to leave, they said, who wants to leave? And I was 24 and I thought, you know, I have enough time to bounce back if this is the wrong decision, but I think it's the right one. And so I took a buyout. I took, uh, you know, six month salary sure. and benefits. And yeah. my last day was July, Friday, July 13th, 2001. Oh, wow. And then, um, the next six months was rough. I mean, I, I was working like one week a month and I was like, I went from having this sweet day job in a nice apartment right in downtown yeah. to like staying in the attic at my cousin's house and, you know, mac and cheese for dinner every night. And I was like, this is rough. And then I went to Indiana. I went up to where Notre Dame is cause I'm, I've always been a Notre Dame fan. I just wanted to work the club there. And mm. the lady who booked it just, we hit it off. And, um, 
and she was like you know are you working a lot and i was like not really i'm kind of having some trouble i said most of the places i've gone are having me back once i'm there it's just getting in the first time because there's 200 comics that are calling that they have no idea who they are sending vhs tapes that i know they're never gonna watch right and uh and she was like, well, you know, I, I'll make some calls for you if you want. And that next year, 2002, I worked 50 out of 52 weeks on the road just because she was the one making the calls to get me work instead of me. Yeah. And at that time, especially a lot of club bookers were managing comics that lived in their town. Okay. So it was a lot of, okay, well, you can bring your guys to my club and yeah. then I want well, you trade. to have Josh at your club. Sure. And so um, that was like the biggest thing that could ever happen to me, honestly, because that stage time was so valuable in developing, you know, my act and and just trying to figure out like, you know, what I wanted to really talk about. Yeah. And then I moved to Los Angeles and got a manager there and um, he got me into Montreal and um, the premium blend on comedy central which later became live at gotham and i don't even uh-huh. think they're doing that anymore yeah. but you know it's like you do six minutes yeah with some celebrity there'll host. always be some form of that show yeah. probably so i did that and uh, both of those things within a month of each other and i had already moved back to ohio because um, when i signed with him the first thing he said was like i don't want you doing any shows in la and i was like well i'm on the road constantly just to afford living here Mm -hmm. so if i can't do any time i'll probably just go home to cincinnati and he was like well until you've either done a festival or been on television i don't want you doing any shows in la so i moved back to ohio and then six months after that i did montreal and got on comedy central so i was like i'm not going to turn around and just move right back you know i'll stay here for a year then go back to la or something yeah and then the year after that, I got picked for the South Beach Comedy Festival, which Comedy Central put on. It was the first time they did it. While I performed there, the head of the network saw me opening for um, Greg Giraldo. Yeah. And then um, he liked me enough that went through the right channels helped me get a half-hour special. Yeah. And then um, that half-hour special got me a record deal. And then I released an album on Comedy Central Records like two years after that. And then uh, that kind of, at that point, I started headlining everywhere. And it's like all that stuff happened while I lived in Cincinnati, not living in LA or New York. You know what I mean? Which is kind of, was what everybody was always telling me and every other comic is you want to do those types of things. You got to be in New York or LA. And I think just with the age of the internet and stuff like that, you've, more people are able to, sort of get those things without having to move oh yeah so um especially more so yeah yeah so i've stayed in ohio this entire time you know because i mean most of the gigs i do are in the midwest or you know somewhere that's easy to get to from ohio than la yeah and um you get way more for your money all my family lives there and then of course i met my wife and we have a kid so it's like uh it's kind of bucked the trend but i think the trend is changing um but in a nutshell, to answer your question, that's that's how I got started. What happened with the What happened with the uh, Saturday Night Live dream? Well, um, I thought the reason I did stand up the first time was I thought this would be a good place to start. You know, like just be on stage, try to figure out how to write. You know, and then um, and then I just fell in love with stand up. Yeah, like I always still thought it'd be cool to be on Saturday Night Live, and kind of made it a goal. But it didn't become like the end all be all where like if that didn't happen, then I would be unsatisfied. And then a really good friend of mine got onto the cast at SNL. Who was that? Uh, Finesse Mitchell. 
Oh yeah, yeah. I've met him. Yeah, I think he's been here before. Uh, uh, did I? I could have sworn I saw his name in the green yeah, room. But um, I think I saw him here. That sounds right. I've definitely, he's definitely been in town. I've met him a few times. He and I, um, we worked together randomly once in Atlanta, and then uh, he was living in L.A. at the time, and I had just moved there. And then he called me, and he's like, "I made the f- the final." audition for snl and it was being held at the laugh factory so i went um to watch the show and it was really weird because it wasn't like a typical stand-up it was kind of like they were displaying why they should be on snl and it was him and uh keenan thompson Mm -hmm. and um this guy d ray and uh jb smooth there was like this was like okay we're about we're about to see who the next black guy is you know and keenan and finesse got hired as performers and jb got hired as a writer and um you know who jb smooth is Mm -hmm. uh love love him people know him for curb your enthusiasm enthusiasm. yeah yeah Yeah. larry (laughs) god he's so good on that show he's Um, hilarious yeah, he's very funny. So, um, so finesse got the gig, and then within a week, literally, like he got the gig on Friday, and he was like, "I have to be in New York on Tuesday." Crazy M- move! Like packed all his stuff up, uh, was staying in a hotel, and then we finally found a place. And then, so you know, maybe like twice a season the, for the three seasons he was on, I would go to New York, stay with him, hang out backstage, and I was like, I, I genuinely became okay with if I never get on this show. If this is as close I get, I'm completely oh, cool, cool with that because I was literally one degree of separation. I could I see got that. to be backstage at Studio 8H. Yeah, yeah. You know, that's cool. I got to meet all the. I got to meet Lauren and all of the the cast members, and then you know whoever the host and musical guests. I got you know I had sit down conversations with Steve Carell and yeah. um, John Krasinski and you yeah. know Lindsay Lohan and Usher. It's just like. And and I never once took it for granted, and yeah. I just you know I was always super appreciative of finesse for letting me come just hang out. That's awesome. And, you know to you know we would walk out during the musical guest, and literally the entire audience is behind us, mm-hmm. and we're behind the camera that's five feet in front of whoever was singing. Yeah, and I'm like this. If I've if I'm this close, I've done enough things right in my career to put myself in a position to be this close. So I'm yeah, that's I've been okay with that. it, and um. And it, you know, I was just, uh, I mean, I met Mike Myers and just, you know, I, so. do you, uh, we're, we're, we're almost running out of time. I, I have to ask you about the t-shirt thing. <laughs> Is that yours? Yes. Get out of here. Yeah. I've always, uh, I've always sold shirts. Like even when I was like emceeing much to the dismay of a lot of other comics that frowned upon, like, like you're not supposed to sell stuff until right. you're at least middling, you know? Right, but, right, right. At the time, like, I just, I had a shirt that was really popular. Like, it just sold itself, you know. Was, I, I would hold it up and people would be like, I want one. And, yeah. You know, it's like once you figure that out and how to pitch it on stage, it's hard to walk away from it because it's like, you know, I mean, it's, it's a decent amount of money. And so a friend of mine is a really talented artist and he kind of dabbled in comedy and um we were trying to figure out a way that we could do a project together and so i was like well what about a a website that sells funny t-shirts i go you know we could both come up with the ideas you can do the design and i'll talk about it when i go out onto the road if i'm you know i can bring it up on the radio or after shows i'll pass out cards with the website on it and that kind of thing and so um six years ago we 
we started making these designs and like we were paying a guy to make them for us. And then, you know, he, if we needed one, we had to buy 12. So my buddy, he had his entire living room was our, where our inventory was. And he would just mail them out as people ordered them. Yeah. And they were like, you know what? Screw that guy. We can make them ourselves. So I got a loan for like 20 grand and we bought screen printing equipment and rented a space and it's like now we're in business for ourselves and we hated making t-shirts like it was like the worst thing ever really yeah and we were like this is not what we want to do because we we ended up becoming a screen print company instead of like coming up with cool stuff to to sell yeah and so we were like we got to get out of this business And so then, uh, you know, whatever, six years later, now we're partnered with a company in Cincinnati that prints on demand. Like, they have this awesome printer that literally, like, like a piece of paper in your home printer. Yeah. It just literally goes across the shirt as it's coming out and it, prints the – I mean, you can print a photo right onto the shirt. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah. But what's awesome for us is we don't have to carry any inventory now, so we come up with as many ideas as we can. I was looking at it last night. There's very timely ones. Yeah, they that's, that's kind of what we've become there. known for. I mean, even more timely than that. Like if you know, if somebody dies or some there's an earthquake or you know something happens, Bin Laden gets killed. Have you come up with the Gore Vidal shirt? Not yet, but we're on it. <laughs> Sometimes we'll have it that day. We'll literally ha- like it'll happen, and then three hours later we'll have a shirt about it. And and that's what in this day and age, like that's what's huge because for something to go viral, you know, people are like, "Wow, this shirt like this just happened two hours ago, and now this shirt's already available online." Yeah. Go. We'll say the name of the uh, site. It's lookatmeshirts.com. dot com. Um, if you go to lookatmeshirts.com, dot com, it's uh, it's a lot of pop culture references. Like our big sellers right now are Breaking Bad. T-shirts. I saw some Star Wars ones on there. There's a couple Star Wars. That's been our biggest seller this year. Is when the the, the New Orleans Saints got in trouble for the bounty hunting program that they had. Um, we put out the Boba Fett bounty hunter, but his helmet looks like it's a Saints, Saints helmet. I now. didn't see that one. It was on ESPN. It was on the NFL Network. Really? It was awesome. That is awesome. For like two straight weeks, it was like flooded with orders for it. And then it went away. And then the punishment came out for it. You know, because yeah, we, yeah. we put it out when the story broke. Right. But then like a month later, the punishment came out for it. So everybody was searching for it again. <laughs> through the roof. And that's what we live on is those one, two week instances of like something happened in the news and we make a shirt about it, and everybody buys it for two weeks, and then no one's talking about it. Thank you. This has been great. Yeah, thank you. This has been great. We My both pleasure. got to go to the Twins game. I worked. You watched. We That's did right. this. You got shows tonight. So you're here Thursday, two shows Friday and Saturday. That's right. And uh, if you're on Twitter, it's at uh, Josh Schneed on Facebook.com slash Josh Schneed. If you really just go to Josh com, you can find links to the T-shirts and all the fun stuff I do on Facebook and Are Twitter. you saying that your website has everything anyone possibly could needs? ever want hey i hey, see what you did there on. and i shouldn't have talked over you it because <laughs> we would we would have hit the post well, cue the laugh track i know no laugh track oh damn it anyway uh that's it Thanks, pete man. lee is the guest next week 